I want to reiterate the, um, the pride that I had in the callings of God that manifest this week. Some of our folks, not even the staff, the staff were here, but some of our people that arrived early for the women's uh, Bible study stayed locked down, and they cooked, they cleaned, they fed, they encouraged, they prayed for. They were following their calling. As I've been teaching, it's about me equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, and I'm proud because you accomplished that. There were many men across the street painting the fence of the warehouse building yesterday, spent hours there following the calling of God in their life. They were out there uh, doing the up and down and karate kid thing <laughs> and, and painting, but they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were representing and shining God's light to the people that were passing by and, and doing that. So all of you today, I am just, as, as a spiritual father to Valley Community Church, I am so stinking proud of you, and I am so glad to be a part of Valley, and we have just scratched the surface. We are moving to a realm greater than we've ever experienced in all of our days, all of our spiritual walk and church attendance. And for those that are watching uh, also from Edison Electric Company, uh, I guess it was last Sunday, there were 17 men who took a break from fixing wires and they watched our services and they worshiped with us. Amen. And uh, so we're, we're hearing this all over, all over the world, people watching and pastors being equipped. And so I welcome you. I look at the screen. I do not see your faces, which is important to me, but just want you to know that you're important to this congregation and these are the greatest people in the world at Valley Community Church. We want to talk about every great father. And again, I want to say happy Father's Day. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And what I really want to talk about, no surprise, I want to talk about fatherhood. The importance of being a father. What does the Bible say about fathers? Did you know that Statistics show that 18, the average is 18.5 million children grow up without fathers in our land. Bottom line, I want to encourage you today. I want to show you what God mandated, even if you don't understand it, who you are. That in this house, I literally honor men and fathers as we have honored women and motherhood. We are a church of honor. We look at the word of God and we honor what God says people are, the identity. I'm not confused about identity. I am not confused about who a father is or who a mother is. I am not confused of the male and female. In Ephesians 5, the text talks about marriage, but there's something that is stated in this passage that I believe is, is so vital, and we need to recognize 
the identity that God has ordained for us to walk in. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, the spoken word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So out of this passage, we will talk about quite a few things. But the singular role of a husband is to be Christ-like. I'll say that again. The singular role of a husband is to be Christ-like. Beyond your family history, beyond your personality, beyond your friends and the way they treat their wives, beyond what you see in the movies, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved or loves the church. This requires, as men, then a very specific goal. I find in in church, there are so many things taught what a man or a woman needs to be that it's almost in many of our lives, we count it as almost an impossibility to be. So what I'm trying to do is what God did writing through Paul, and he specified specific things for us as men and as husbands and fathers. So husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved or loves the church. So what this does then is requires a very specific goal. It's not just to be good husbands, but to be a Christ-like husband. To be a Christ-like husband. So look at verse 25 again. Notice it doesn't say, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. It's specific. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Just as. So everything that I am to do as a husband and even a father, and I'm going to show you all the scripture I give to you and all the, what it brings to us, I'll show you how it relates to a father, but just, st- just stay with me for a few more minutes, and I'm going to show you a greater understanding of fatherhood. So Jesus was his common name, and Christ was his title. Now, the word Christ means anointed one. It literally means doused with oil, smeared with oil. So it says, love your wives as an anointed one. That you basically are smeared with oil. So there's a twofold sign that comes from the anointing. There's a significance, there's a sign, there's a a purpose, there's a reality of this anointing. 
So let's talk about those twofold significance of the anointing. Anointing represents the glory of God. So today, according to James, we take a little oil and we anoint people with oil and we pray the prayer of faith and, and pray for healing. And, and on that finger, and anoint someone on the forehead and pray. In the Old Testament, what the priest would do is take a flask of oil and just douse it from head to toe. Psalm 133, 1 and 2 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Notice what this is saying, where the significance of the anointing that is on fatherhood, that is on a husband like Christ. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Notice the unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. So they just poured the oil and literally doused them with oil again. When they were finished with the sun shining, they would shine. So it represented the shining or the glory of God, the significance. Interesting, in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about men and women, and watch what it says. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but women or woman is the glory of man. So let me say what this is, because in today's day, there's no man my glory. Just, just listen to what it's saying and stop listening to the deception of the, of the world and bringing you wrong content of what the Word of God is really saying. Because men and women are co-equal according to God. But listen in my paraphrasing of this. <clears throat> men reflect the character of God, of the God they choose, and women reflect the character of the husband they choose. If a man's God is money, then he reflects that. If a man's God is some false God, then he reflects that. If a man's God is Jesus Christ, then he reflects Jesus Christ. So men reflect the character of that God they serve. But the women are very sensitive to the character of their husbands. You know, when I first got married, uh, many of us men were like this. I thought Terry should act like me. You know, the real marriage is that we're like each other. You know how after about 40 or 50 years, you know, um, they tend to look like each other? You know, have you ever watched that, you know, uh, on, you know, Facebook or whatever, and you say uh, owners of dogs, and after a while how the owner and the dog look alike too? Okay. But I realized that Terry was opposite of me, and that was okay. It was about God's character in me, so when I changed an understanding of that, that my specific purpose and goal is to be Christ-like, then what happened, that changed my actions, that changed my character, 
And the response is Terry blossomed like a rose. So, man, I'm telling you, it's not about you providing the most, giving her what she needs and all that. See, God's a provider. We've learned that in all of these things. But what happens in marriage is that we're, we're battling each other, trying to figure out what we can do for each other instead of realizing that, men, if you would just become Christ-like, walk in that anointing, your character would change, and you would reflect Christ, and your wife would reflect your character of Christ, and then there would be unity. Don't get quiet on me. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right. So the response I wanted, I never got by being a macho idiot. Or, excuse me if I mispronounce this, hombre tontos. For many of you like me, that's a dumb man. The response I never get happened when I became Christ-like. What I desired of my wife, what I desire of my children comes because I become Christ-like. That is kingdom reality. That is what the kingdom of God is about. God set that up, just like seed time and harvest, is when we become Christ-like, then the reflection, the harvest, is Christ-like. And it works in every manner. Now, this doesn't say that your wife or women are lesser than, like the world thinks the Scripture is trying to say. Terry was reflecting Christ-like back to me. Proverbs 17, 6 says this, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. As we men reflect God's character to our children, they reflect it back to us. See, guys, it's simple. But I, I got to do this. I got to be Christ-like. When you're in tribulation or when you're in great prosperity, be Christ-like. See, God put his image in Adam and Eve and the first thing he said is to them is to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Oh, you had a bunch of kids. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're having a bunch of kids. Be fruitful and multiply the image and likeness of Christ. It includes having children. But there are people that don't have children. And let me just say this. Yes, they do. Because if they're Christ-like, they will be spiritual moms and spiritual dads. We reflect the image of God to our children. So the first responsibility a man and a father has to his children is to be an image bearer of God to them. So this is what I'm not saying now. I'm not saying everything our children do wrong is our fault. Because they rise up and make their own choices. Proverbs twenty two fifteen tells us, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and it's the rod of correction will drive it far from them. 
what is the rod of correction? The rod of correction is like a stick for a tomato plant. If you don't have a stick that it grows on, it will grow every which way. But if you had that rod, you have that there, then what it'll do is it'll grow the way it should. That's what it's saying here. That if you as a father are that rod of correction, what are you hooked up to? The word of God. You reflect Christ-like. And when you do that, it will be joined to that. And great unity will happen in your home. So not every bad thing a child does is a fault of their father and mother. It bugs me when I hear that. People say that. Now sometimes, because they weren't there, 18.5 million children grow up without a dad. But who children become as adults is more based on the parents, not a village. I'm going to say that again. That's not in my notes, but I'm really being led of the Holy Spirit right now. Why is that? Because I am coming against, in a very strong spiritual way, demonic forces of deception in our city and in our world. And this message is going to go around the world, and I want to tell you, you're going to hear it, and you're going to understand, this is how you defeat the enemy. But who children become as adults is more based on the parents than anything else in life's experience. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our responsibility, men, is to train. When they mature, your training will always be there, even if they have rebelled, even if they're a prodigal. I want to tell you, God's word is truth. It will happen if you stay with his word. Some of you have rebellious children, and they don't come around. They don't want to be around you. Maybe because sometimes in your past, you made a mistake. You did wrong things. And maybe you were a bad father. But there's forgiveness. But here's the reality is that you now come against spiritual enemies of deception that maybe had been your fault, but now you change that through prayer and supplication. And I promise you, when you do that, God's word will not return void and it will manifest in your children. Be of good cheer, folks, in this rotten world of rotten people out there, demonic-led. Be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. So let me say it this way. If you put it in them, it will come out of them one day. Our children reflect the parents' glory and or anointing. Now, let me just give you an uh, illustration. There's a book uh, written in 1900 called A Study in Education and Heredity by A.E. Winship. What he did is he studied people. He studied two men. He looked at two lives of men, and the first man he looked at, his name was Jonathan Edwards, and he lived in the 18th century. He went to Yale College, watch this, at the age of 12, and graduated with honors. Above my pay grade there. 
He became a pastor and a sermon series called Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God helped start the Great Awakening in the church. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but let me tell you what the study was. Jonathan became president of Princeton College. In the book, they researched the descendants of Jonathan. Here are the descendants listed. There was one U.S. vice president. There were three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries. All from one couple. In the same book, though, they examine a man, his name was Max Jukes, and he was born in 1720. Max had a troubled life, and he was a hard drinker. He was proclaimed in writings as lazy, and he was un- uneducated, quit school, and was ungodly. And in 1877, while they were visiting New York's prisons, Richard Dugdale found inmates with 42 different last names, all descending from Max Jukes. Of his descendants, there were seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 women of ill repute, 130 other convicts, 310 paupers who combined spent 2,300 years living in poorhouses, and 400 others were ruined by indulgent living or they died early of drunkenness. His descendants cost the state of New York millions of dollars. So you can see the power of fathering and mothering. Children are our glory. The second thing anointing represents is anointing represents the offices of the prophet, priest, and king. In the Old Testament, these were the anointed gifts. All of these were fulfilled in our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. A prophet is responsible to accurately and faithfully deliver God's word at the time. A priest was the intercessor between God and man to solve problems and to bring comfort and reconcile relationship. I will slow down in a minute, but I'm giving you this introduction. A priest, again, was the intercessor between God and man to solve problems and bring comfort and reconcile relationship. Last, the king was appointed by God to rule over people as his representative of the kingdom of God. So let me just show you now how Jesus fulfilled these roles 
And then I'm going to relate all that I said to fatherhood. Jesus was the incarnate Word of God. Jesus, in the beginning, was a Word. Amen? John 1.1. 1, 1. Matthew 4.4, 4, he told us the Word is more important than eating. He lived the Word before us and told us what God had to say. He was the incarnate Word. That's how he fulfilled prophecy, prophet. As a priest, Jesus healed people and was compassionately with people and did many miracles. He even sacrificed his own life to, th to make things right with God. You would do that too with your children. As a king, he was an authority figure. But he washed feet and related on a personal level. So I want you to understand is that in our culture, position means a lot to a lot of people. And you know in our culture, when people get a title or position, they change to the worse. Because the more responsibility, according to the kingdom of God, that you get, the, the more rulership that you have in life, the more you serve the more you honor, because you have a greater ability to do so. But a lot of people don't understand that. So when he's the king of kings, he's the one that, that washed feet. So let me summarize the three roles as it relates to you as a father. As a prophet, a man or a father who diligently seeks to hear God's voice and know God's word for the benefit of his family. That you spend time on the word, which will benefit your family, because then you will walk in that anointing, and in that anointing, your character will change, and in that shining of that oil, that anointing, that, that everyone will reflect who you are. This includes living a life consistent with scriptural standards and values. Listen, none of us are perfect. This is not saying be perfect. The only one who's perfect is Jesus Christ. And that's what we're trying to be like, be Christ-like. We don't want to be legalistic. Well, you know what Pastor Gary said, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Stop. Really. I mean, really, stop. And, and, you know, it, you, you look at the world today, you hear the news today, and if you really would just pause, let the Holy Spirit show you lie and deception. And if you read books today, lie and deception. You have to get to a place, men, of realizing that there are many things that are told to you, spoke to you, and trying to relate to you. It's not being Christ-like. And so what we have to do is change and, and bring that in to where we do that. That's why you get on the Zoom uh, Bible study with Pastor Dan, that you come to Bible study on Sunday night, that you're in church as much as you can. Hey, listen, Sabbath vacations are good. It is godly. It is kingdom reality. 
but the, you work hard to be here. You work hard to get in the Word of God. We're all busy. Seasons of busyness that want to drag you away from serving the body of Christ, from serving the church. That's why I just, this whole last couple days, I've been heartbroken. At the vigil, I was heartbroken. But I saw the city of El Monte and those around come together. But I saw Valley Community Church walk in their calling. We are the shining light. We are the best kept secret in this place, in this city. And we need to pour oil all over us and begin to show our world, our cities, who we really are. Be consistent. Just be dedicated. Not religious or legalistic or dominant, men. Be dedicated. If I'm going to be a prophet to my family, I have to be a man of the word. Ephesians 5, verse 25, 27. Let's read it again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's what you're saying to your spouse. It's a spoken word. It's what you're saying. But you don't say it if it's not in your heart. See, sin destroys, the word of God glorifies. That's why my wife shines. She's not perfect. She's not. I know you think she is. <laughs> She's not perfect. Love you, honey, as you're watching. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on, as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your, your gates. God clearly gives the responsibility and ability to train up their children in the word to parents, not the village. Bind the word on your hands, your forehead and your doorposts. What does that mean? Well, let me show you. The hand, it means everything I do. It is backed up by the word of God. On your forehead, everything that I think. The enemy brings a thought in your mind that's wrong, kick it out with the word of God. And then your doorpost. Everything that comes in my home. Amen. Anything that we watch in my home, my wife checks it first to make sure it has nothing visual in it that would cause me to be tempted. And so there are movies people tell, oh, you should watch this movie. I can't. I won't. Not that I'm prude. I won't. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a guy. And I won't allow it in my home. So my responsibility of a father is to be a doorkeeper of my home. 
What about the priest? The priest is a man who sensitively and sacrificially meets his child's needs and helps him or her deal with spiritual, emotional, relational, and personal issues. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. It gives the action, men. It talks about loving uh, emotionally and also financially in all the different areas. That's what that means when it says nourishes and cherishes. You work hard to meet the needs, food, whatever it may be, for your home. And at times, it's not as prosperous as other times in the seasons of your marriage. But you've got to understand, that's what you do. You stay consistent. So just like you take care of your body, you take care of your wife and your children. Psalm 103, let's read this very quickly. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. We're Christ-like. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and it, its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Being a father is being a pastor of your home. Being a father is being a pastor of your home. That you weep, you laugh, you encourage, you discipline. Hebrews 4 says, we have a sympathetic high priest in Jesus. We can come boldly. In, in other words, come boldly means with frank speech. How many of you, <laughs> when you first got saved, still used frank speech? Don't look at me that way. I did. See, the safest person, the cliche of today, the safest person in your life is Jesus Christ. He is merciful and slow to anger. So the safest person in your life should be Father. I would do anything in accordance with the kingdom of God for my kids and my kids' kids. I would do it in a heartbeat. Not because I'm such a good dad. I'm not perfect. But it's because I'm Christ-like. Jesus went through it all, and he knows what you feel, he's saying. So we have a friend in Jesus. Now, here's my point also. Your kids are not your best friends. They're your children who can be friendly 
and as friends with your kids. There's too many parents want to be friends with their kids where they need a father or a mom. Fathers, we are not an exalted prophet or a king either. Be the safe place and give counsel. Pastor your children. Here's the third, king. A man who is the servant leader of his home. I'll tell you what, I, I want to tell you time and time again, I will ask, because my personality, type A personality, I'll ask her three days before what she needs three days after, knowing that certain things are going to happen. Well, my, my wife, she's so amazing in what she does in life and decorate all the different things. Well, you know, I asked her three days before, and then the day of, she goes, well, you know what, honey, I forgot I need this. So I don't go, oh, man, I told you three days ago, I'm not going. See, that's her probably calling, say, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't do that. I say, okay, what you need? Well, I need this. Okay, I'll be back. You're wasting my time. I want to sit and watch the football game, or I want to watch this, or I want to do this. No, I'm there to serve. When, when my kids come over, I'm there to serve. There are times they tell me, no, sit down and do nothing. Say so she's saying, I told you to stop talking about me. That's what you get for not being in church, honey. No, just kidding. <laughs> a man who is a servant leader of his home, he is the initiator of decision-making and problem-solving, but without dominance. And that's what I do three days before. Not that I'm king, you know, like the cowardly lion. I'm king. In Wizard of Oz. Oh, am I supposed to watch that? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, it's that I'm trying to create an atmosphere of peace. I'm trying to create an atmosphere of Christ's likeness. See, Jesus is never early or late. He's right on time all the time. There's peace with Jesus. So in that, there's peace. And, and there are things that you do, and the reality of what you do is you got to get to a place in your life, men, that you understand this is not dominance. I, you know what? I lead, I run things, I was supervisor, I did all that. I ran, you know, many churches, all the different things that I did and made decisions on all the boards, all the different things, made to help make decisions, and, and all the different things. But you know what? I would just rather serve. I'm not going to say it this way, but probably the greatest time I've ever had in ministry, I still have great times in ministry, but the greatest time I have in ministry is when I was an assistant pastor. I was able to serve a man of God. I love that. I love to serve my wife. I love to serve my children and my children's children. I think of things when I know they're coming over, what I can do for them, to serve them. Not to spoil them. With that phone, she's still trying to call me. 
You can shut it off if you want to. Ephesians 5, verse 23 and 24 says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. See, there you go, Pastor. I know how your religious people are. Men and women are equals. They're equals. Men are not better than women and vice versa. Fathers be the loving initiator. That's what it's talking about, is to be the initiator of your family's well-being and the home be at peace without dominance. What do you think, honey? Well, I think this. Yeah, okay, let's do it that way. That's good. That's cool. That's great. Ladies, when it says be subject to your husband and everything, it means don't act without your husband. That's what the Scripture's saying. Don't act without your husband. You know what a lot of couples do? Is they act individually. And then they come together and want to have agreement. We have counselors in the house. I'm looking at them now. They do marital counseling, all that stuff. And that's what happens. They come to a counselor after they've been individuals doing their own thing, and then they want, they want their spouse to change and be like them. It means don't act without your husband. We, the church, we don't act without Jesus, right? Well, we're supposed to not act without Jesus. But that's why we have the struggles in life and relationship. You're partners in covenant marriage with each other. So fathers, husbands, be the loving initiator. You know, I, I'm human. I want my way. You know, I started that when I was born. I want my way. Still working on it. But we have to get to that place of not dominating, and it's okay if we don't get our way. So let me close with this. Children need rules and structure, but it must be in the context of relationship, not in the context of dominance. Relationship, not in my best friend, because a relationship is father-son, father-daughter. Ephesians 6, 2 and 4 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you. Why it's not well with some people? Because they dishonored their parents. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. See, how you provoke is dominance. Do what I say, not what I do. But bring, I, I heard that. I heard that from my dad. His latter years, he was very ill, very sick. And he would just get upset a lot because of diabetes and kidney failure and all the different things before he died at 43. And I'd, I'd cut the lawn. I've been cutting the lawn for seven years, eight years. And, and all of a sudden he'd go out there after seven, eight years and says, Son, you're not doing that right. Oh, <laughs> I've been doing it the same way for seven years, you know. But I understood at that time, my dad, my father was sick. 
but he could provoke me to wrath. Fine, push the lawnmower and go play baseball somewhere. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, being Christ-like. That's what we need in this world to be Christ-like, amen? What provokes children to anger is non-relational authority. Fathers, children need a prophet, someone who seeks out the word and teaches them. Fathers, children need a priest who loves them, ministers to them, and is affectionate and accepts them. Fathers, children need a king who brings structure into the home and keeps order in their home. So let us together, when we gather at Valley, let's honor moms and dads. Let's respect our children with relational teaching of being Christ-like. And by doing that, what we're going to see is that it takes the parents to build a home. And then when they go out into the village, they know the truth, where the truth will keep them from deception of the world. Shall we stand? By the way, you know that's my beautiful daughter in love. And I love her to pieces. She's the most amazing young lady. Young to me. Very special. But I just don't do that on the platform. I tell her how I feel in the home, wherever we're at. I'm proud of her. I'm proud of my son. Amen. Proud of my son. Amazing young man. That you don't know the half of the things that he does in ministry. Why am I proud of him? I'm Christ-like. It's not because he's perfect. I walk in that reality. Men, I love you. Some of you might love me. Yeah, I do. If you don't stop acting that way, I'm going to slap you. No, I'm just kidding. That's how us men are, okay? That's how we love each other. But the reality is, is, men, I just, I'm so proud of you. I've watched your families, I've watched your ministries, I've watched what you've done through the years. And there's no greater joy than to watch people as a pastor just become fruitful. Some of you younger couples who are starting your families with children, there's no greater thing to the baby over here, no greater 
joy in my heart that a family gets up with a little baby and comes to church. Invite your friends, your families, because we're going to teach them the Word of God. Next week, Dr. Remy. Dr. Remy, if you don't know him, raise your hand, would you? Go ahead, raise your hand. Amen. And his wife is the epitome of what a wife is. I love her dearly. Uh, every time I'm around her, I just want to hug her and hold her hand and walk with me, would you, Mom? Because she's that mom. Next week, they're going to bless us. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're watching on screen, it's real. It's real. It's so fulfilling. Serving a God that is such a father. That he loves us and he cares. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day. Guys, eat everything you want. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Oh, oh, no evening service tonight. Thank you. facing